After I was born again in 1975, I was changed immediately by God, by a word given to me by God. One night I was reading a book about sin, and God spoke to me and said, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I was so shocked. I said, sins? I thought they were mistakes. When God opens our eyes to see our sins, that's when we're born again, very often. It's amazing that so many churches have stopped speaking about sin. And they have another type of doctrine of, I'm okay, you're okay. There was a book that was famous in psychology by that title. They want you to believe some of the scriptures, but not all of the scriptures. And they explain away many sins in the church itself. At one period of time, I dated a man who worked for Revel Publishing Company, a Christian book publishing company. He professed to be a Christian, but I don't believe I ever thought he was a Christian. He was a good-looking man, had a charming personality, plenty of money, took me to dinner frequently. I was with very glamorous people. Dale Evans Rogers was one. She was coming to Dallas to promote a book she had written. I think Bob recognized that Dale and I would be able to communicate, and he wanted me there as a buffer. And sure enough, we communicated well together. But I don't think Bob would communicate on Christian matters. He was business partner in another secular field and made quite a bit of money. And his partner was definitely an unbeliever. After I saw this scripture in 2 Corinthians 6, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, I said, how can you be a partner with him? And I read that scripture to Bob. I finally said, I really don't want to go to dinner with you anymore. And he said, you don't? He was really shocked. I didn't feel right about his association with this unbeliever, with him professing to be a Christian. Secondly, I really felt I was being used by Bob as a buffer with people like Dale Evans Rogers because she was apparently a Christian and she really 
strongly related to the Spirit of God in me. And I don't think Bob was born again. I don't think he had the Spirit of God. Why should I go to dinners with him, although he didn't mind spending a lot of money? I didn't enjoy being with him. It came to the point I just put an end to it. I have found almost everyone that I have ended up separating with is a churchgoer who doesn't follow God, who professes Jesus is Lord, professes to believe the Bible, attends church. But along the way, I could see those people really weren't following Scripture. They were following something else. And in each case, I saw this as being dangerous to me. And I truly loved each one of them in a Christian way. But I saw that it wasn't doing them any good for me to be around them, and it was probably pulling me away from what I should be doing. They did not show any improvement whatsoever by the scriptures I gave them and the things that I spoke to them that were from God. And usually when that's the case, I would pray for God to remove them from me, to help me. The flesh is very weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I really wanted to hear what was happening. I wanted to talk to each of them. I wanted to be around them. But I could see it was not helping them and it was hurting me. So when I identified that, I would pray for God to close the door. And each time he did close the door. Example number one, there was a young man that I cared very much for him. He was considerably younger than I, and there was certainly no sexual overtone. But he was a friend, inasmuch as you can be a friend and not be a believer. He was Baptist, raised Baptist. He was likely homosexual. He didn't actually attend the Baptist church, but he professed to know the Bible, to know God, to believe the Bible. But I just saw too many questionable things in his life. I moved to another city, and he set it up to have dinner with me as he visited that city. But before we could have dinner, he got sick and had to go home. And 
After that, I shared some things with him when his father was dying and when his father died. His mother had just died previously. And his doctrines were wrong. And I shared scripture with him that we would not have marriages in heaven as we have marriages on the earth, but Jesus says we will be like the angels. When his father died, he printed an obituary in the local paper and sent me a copy of it, and it was just awful. He said he could just see his mother meeting his father at the gate to heaven. Uh, She died first, I think. I knew this was wrong. I contacted him and I said, you have got many things in this obituary that are not right doctrinally, and I've explained them to you previously. And he wrote and said, well, I didn't go over that obituary carefully. I put it there and then The woman at the journal printed it in the newspaper, and I didn't really carefully attend to it. And he said, I see now that I should have carefully considered what I was saying. But I knew it was more than that. It wasn't simply a mistake. He was speaking doctrine which was incorrect more like to comfort one's flesh and make them feel good about death, but in an incorrect scriptural way. In Matthew 22, verse 30, Jesus says, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. There is no sexual marriage in heaven. I find church members rarely know this concept. They don't teach this at churches. I've Never heard it taught at churches. Matthew 22, verse 30. I had shared this with this young man, and yet he wrote that he could just see that his mother was meeting his recently deceased father at the gate of heaven, that she was standing there waiting for him. Another thing is we don't have these fleshly bodies in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Corruptible cannot inherit incorruptible. And starting at about verse 48, Paul speaks of this and says that we will be changed before we're taken into heaven. And we will not have these bodies of flesh like we do now, 
but we will have new bodies which are spiritual bodies created in the image of God who is a spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's start at verse 49. Paul says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, when we were babies, we were born in the image of our fathers and mothers as human beings. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. God is a spirit. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If you could inherit the kingdom of God in flesh and blood, you would then have pain and disease because that comes through the flesh. And there will be no pain in heaven, no sorrow in heaven. I'm quoting Revelation 21. In heaven there will be no sorrow, there will be no pain. That's because we won't have physical bodies in heaven. We will be created in the image of God who is a spirit. So verse 50, Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Paul is talking about dying, because sleep and death are compared as being similar acts. Death is like falling asleep. So he says we shall not all sleep, die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. If you will blink your eyes, just stop and blink, that's how fast we'll be changed. It won't be time to say goodbye to anybody or do anything. We're shown in James, the body without the spirit is dead. When you die, the spirit leaves that body. James says, faith without works is dead. Well, that shows us the spirit leaving the body at the time of death. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That body will be left behind because it can't go into heaven with us. It would be impossible for a 
a woman to be waiting in heaven at the gate of heaven for her husband who has just died. As this young man wrote in the newspaper on her obituary, I was horrified. And I'd already told him this, but he didn't believe. And then he made up something that seemed to excuse him. He should have more carefully paid attention to what he wrote. No, the situation is, this is the doctrine he wanted to believe, though it's not a true doctrine. And many churchgoers are that way. They don't want to believe the truth. They want to believe it's the way they think, like that they'll meet up with their dead wife in heaven. One woman who's raised Baptist once told me after her husband had died, I can just hardly wait to die. I can just hardly wait to be with him in heaven. So many churches teach that. That is just not the case. We, Jesus says, are like the angels of God in heaven. There is no fleshly marriage. There is no flesh. We are recreated into the image of God. Our flesh does not go into heaven when we die. Our spirit leaves the body and goes into heaven. Therefore, there'll be no pain, no sorrow, no marriage. We will know what it is to be married to Jesus, the bride of Christ. So this young man was coming to the city where I now live, and we'd scheduled to have dinner together. But he became ill and had to return to another place about 400 miles away from the city where I live. I have not talked to him since I corrected him on this subject of his dad dying and his mother meeting him at the gates of heaven. I do not think he is born again. He had certain signs of being born again, but he didn't go along with Scripture. He had beliefs that were contrary to Scripture. And I find that most of these unbelieving churchgoers have just exactly that characteristic. They don't turn at the Scripture. One woman who is likely lesbian, she said, Do you prove homosexuals and lesbians? And I was so shocked. I said, oh, I don't think so. And then I gave her all the scriptures that I had from the Bible, wrote them out, sent them to her, and I didn't hear anything from her. Although when I would see her, she'd wave to me. She's one of my neighbors. And from time to time, she would see me getting out of the car, and she would stop and, so to speak, visit. 
I know she wanted to be friends, but I had no concept whatsoever that I could be around this woman. When I had sent her scriptures on homosexuals and lesbians, Romans chapter 1, and heard nothing in response, had she accepted that scripture, she would have said, Thank you. I see what it is saying, and I repent. That's what it would take. But the churches want to save people without repentance from their sin, and therefore they don't want to speak of their sin. They don't want to read things at church, such as Romans chapter 1, which point blank says, These are vile affections. We'll read that. Verse 16, start at verse 16, although verse 26 is where God says they commit vile affections as homosexuals and lesbians. But let's start at verse 16, for Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, I'm not ashamed to say what the Bible says about homosexuals and lesbians. This is what the Bible says. This is God's opinion. This is what God has done concerning the matter of homosexuals and lesbians. He has turned them over to vile affections. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Jews, to the Gentiles. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They profess to believe God. They profess to be Christians. They profess Jesus is Lord, and yet the scriptures do not, in every case, rule over them. They set up doctrine according to their own will, rather than changing their lives to believe the scriptures. They change the scriptures to explain what they believe or want to believe. But Paul says, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now we're talking about people who have the Bible, profess to believe the Bible, but change the words of the Bible to fit their own preferences. And that's what churches are doing everywhere all around us. And they don't read scriptures such as this that I will read today about homosexuals and lesbians. 
because it would offend people in their congregation who are homosexuals and lesbians. Rather than bring repentance through preaching the truth of the scriptures, they approve the homosexuals and lesbians in their sin. They approve those people that sit there who aren't married and yet have sexual acts, male and female, with each other. They let them come to church. They approve that because they don't want to offend the sinners. Therefore, the church doctrine becomes extremely watered down. And they omit many doctrines that would show sin. It's extremely sad, but that's what Antichrist does. In the last days, the churches fall away from doctrine of Christ and set up other doctrines which approve sinners in their sin rather than bring repentance. We're seeing that in a great many churches. Matter of fact, most churches. Because they want big numbers of people to come to church. And if they preach about sin, people will leave their church and go to some place where they can be approved in the sin they are committing. That's what Paul's talking about here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Instead of worshiping the Creator, they worshiped the created. They worshiped the mountain rather than the God who created the mountain. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen.
Now, verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, the truth of God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Homosexuals and lesbians, can they be saved? Yes, if they acknowledge the truth and repent and do that sin no more. Once they see that they're committing a sin and that what they are doing is a sin and they repent and do it no more, and acknowledge to others as God leads them that this is a sin they have committed. Don't do this. It's just like a divorced woman remarrying, and the Bible says if she does that, she commits adultery. And that divorced woman who has remarried no longer approves this. And instead, what she does is when she sees someone who is divorced, who thinks she can remarry, she reads the scripture to them, giving them an opportunity not to sin. For the divorced woman, Jesus says, will be called an adulteress if she remarries with her husband still living. You can read that in several places, one of which is Mark chapter 10 and other places, Romans chapter 7. The truth is there in the scriptures for us to see the sin if we believe the scripture of the Holy Bible. But today, so often, these scriptures are not shared at church, but are omitted to approve the sinners. Well, I shared this with, of the three examples I'm giving you today, I shared this scripture with the two people that I believe to be homosexual and lesbian. I shared this scripture showing it is a sin. And for those who say they were just born homosexual or lesbian, as many do, I turn to God with that. What about this? What about what they're saying? He took me to Mark chapter 10, 
This shows the truth. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Later, on the homosexuals, lesbians, they were turned over by God to these vile affections to do that which is unnatural because they didn't want to keep the knowledge of God in their thinking, but they wanted to do another doctrine. That's what it says in Romans 1. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, not male, female, homosexual, and lesbian. They were not born homosexual, lesbian. They were turned over by God to vile affections. And that is the truth. And if any recognize the truth of the scriptures in these passages of scripture, repents from being homosexual or lesbian, gives up that sin and doesn't do that anymore, they can be saved, just like an adulteress could be saved when she quits committing adultery. I find often there are unbelievers hiding in churches. They're not like I am. I was born again by the Spirit of God in 1975. They do not have the Spirit of God, though they act godly and try to show us godly works. They don't repent when we share things of God, and they don't like to hear things of God, though they attend a church. Well, Paul spoke about this, and it would be a sign of the last times, and he called them perilous times. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 1, Paul says, This know also that in the last days, Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, homosexual and lesbians, truthbreakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, often that is attending churches, but denying the power thereof, the power of the scriptures, the power of God. From such, turn away. And I have often turned away from churchgoers 
who say they are Christians but deny the power of God. One other example today. This is a Catholic woman, and she really liked visiting with me. She often came to my house, and she would tell me something that wasn't according to Bible. And I would always say, now, I want to build my house on the Word of God, the Bible. And what you have just said is not in the Bible. But she kept coming to my house, and I kept speaking Bible to her. There was no evidence at all that she ever changed. I even went to Barnes & Noble bookstore and got a Catholic Bible and checked it, and the verse I had quoted was printed in the Catholic Bible. But she didn't believe it. She didn't change. Where there is no change, you have to view it as she does not believe the Scripture. When you show it to her, and it's diametrically opposite from what she is doing. The scripture that I had looked up at Barnes & Noble was Matthew 23, where Jesus says, Call no man father. I wanted to see, is it in the Catholic Bible? It is in the Catholic Bible, Matthew 23, just like it's in the King James Version of the Bible. Call no man father. And it goes on to say, for one is your father, and that's in heaven. But she didn't ever change. And often she would proudly say to me, I went to church today. She loved going to church, but she didn't love the scripture. And at one point, I prayed for God to help me to be removed from her. She just vanished. Light and darkness cannot coexist. Therefore, Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 6, the following. Start at verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Unbelievers will almost always say something that troubles the believer, that steals the peace of the believer, a doctrine of their own imagination or a doctrine of the world. And you know the doctrines of God, So you're troubled by it, and the Spirit of God who lives in you is troubled when they speak. You may want to explain away the troubling, 
But when it is of God, you simply have to be willing to not be with that person, whether it be a son, a daughter, or whomever. Light cannot coexist with darkness. And I always felt they were pulling me down. And I always saw they weren't believing what I said that was from the Bible. But rather, they believed their own wisdom, and they told me their own wisdom, and though I fought against it. In each case, I believe I've fought against it. Telling them, I want to build my house on the Word of God, and what you have spoken is not in the Bible. But I could see with these examples, their life wasn't better because of the godly things that I spoke, because they didn't believe them. But along the way, there have been people that did believe and gave the things up that were sin. So I've seen both. I've seen salvation. I've seen unbelief. But I cannot live with unbelief because it pulls me down. Second Corinthians, let's read the whole passage, chapter 6. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? How can you be a friend with them when they are against the word of God? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, with the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 as many as follow the spirit of God they are the sons of God thank you for allowing me to share with you today